Many of us have dedicated ourselves to creating our peace with the process. Along the way, circumstances and events will come up that either add to or take from that endeavor. My wife and I had our firstborn son, Lincoln Wayne Gann, on June 2nd, 2021. And I started this series titled A Father's Perspective to share the process of parenthood and how we navigate our ability to continue creating peace day in and day out. If you're a father or mother, soon to be or have been three times over, I hope that hearing about our ups and downs and tips and tricks brings value to you and your family. Let's get started. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to an episode of Peace with the Process. This is a new one, very brand new series. I don't know how long this is going to remain a series. I don't know how long I'm going to make these episodes. I'm simply going to just start doing them. And I think that's based off of a uh, of a process, of a perspective from several of our guests. And the title of this episode, of this series that we're going to be going along with, it's going to be A Father's Perspective. It might be all my perspective, or it, I might bring in some other gentlemen that can speak to the concept of being a father. What that looks like from somebody who is very process-oriented, like myself, from someone who yearns to create peace with the process, to continue to move forward despite what maybe the world thinks some of the obstacles that would stop us from doing that. And I just want to share my experience, first and foremost, of how this has been to be a father and have this documented, you know, have this have this available to anyone who wants to just get some insight. My experience is not going to be like your experience. There may be some similarities. Uh, you may notice similarities if you are already a father. However that looks, I simply want to share this in the hopes that you're able to learn from uh, my failures, my successes, and that I hope I'm capable of inspiring someone to continue to pursue your peace with the process, even in the midst of fatherhood. Okay? That is really my big deal here, is that we can still create our peace with the process that we strive to, even though we have become fathers. And my two weeks of being a father, I believe when this, when this episode airs, my son will be about two and a half weeks. My experience so far has been that it's definitely possible, right? Now, I think our mindset shifts just slightly, the way that we prioritize things. And it really, if you've listened to other episodes of Peace with the Process where I've gone over my prioritization tool, the four key value areas, right? We put relationships first, ourselves second, our health third, and our wealth fourth. Now, I always say that self and health can kind of be interchangeable. I'm not real stiff on whether I put myself before my health or my health before myself because honestly, they're both about how we show up in the world. Our relationships, obviously, that's every relationship within our lives. That's the new one. That's the one that we just created a new life, a new relationship that we're going to have. I think that in and of itself is an amazing accomplishment. We've thus created a brand new priority for ourselves. So I'm just going to go ahead and spend this first episode to talk about my experience of the birthing process and just these past two weeks. I'm going to try to summarize. I don't want to spend too, too long. Again, I don't know how long I'm going to be on this how short I'll make it, we'll just see how it turns out, right? So first and foremost, my wife and I found out we were pregnant in September of 2020. My son was born June 2nd uh, of 2021 at 12.40 a.m. Now here's the crazy story. Now I want to make sure that I state this as, as, a, as a big foundation for how well things have gone. You're, if you're a listener of the podcast or you have heard me talk about 
any of my topics on you know the value areas, then you know I don't hide the fact that I'm a Christian and that I put God first. I put him before everything. So when I say that we planned, I mean that we, we believed that God would make it come true. We believed that if it lined up with what God had in store for us, then we simply spoke it into existence and planned that God's will and our will would line up. So first and foremost, we did conceive right around the week that we intended to. I understand there's, you know, there's, there's, there's different reasons and circumstances for why that might not happen for somebody else. But I believe that, that God can do anything he wants. And he can do anything he wants for anyone. You know, we, we just need to believe it with every ounce of our being. Have that faith. Uh, be be following uh, the best the to the best of our ability. Truly, truly, to the best of our ability. We all fall short. I just want to precedent this with that concept in mind, right? Um, and 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 just you know, kind of go forward from here, and say that we planned and it executed. <laughs> I'll summarize that portion of the story by just saying it it was executed. And so nine months later, the day, okay, I said my son was born on June 2nd, right? When we conceived in September, the doctors told us his due date was June 1st. We believed it. You know, we got, we had people who would say, oh, you know, it could come, he could come a week before, it could come a week after. It's usually around two weeks before or two weeks after. And yeah, we understood this. But again, you know, we were speaking it into existence. Yeah, we were, he's going to be there on June 1st. We just, we knew it, you know, we had a knowing we had a knowing. That's really the best way that I could explain it. And sure enough, 12 AM on June 1st, my wife's water broke. Okay. Now those of you who aren't familiar with me and my wife and the process that we went through, she did an all natural birth. And I've, to my knowledge, I don't have a relative or know anyone personally, or at least, you know, on even on a friendship level, who's, who have done an all-natural birth. So I had no idea what to expect. So leading up to that final day, uh, my wife knew she wanted a midwife, and she knew she wanted uh, what's called a doula. Not many people were familiar with what a doula is whenever I brought that up. A doula is basically the non-medical version of a midwife, right? So your midwife, she has all these amazing tips and tricks, but she's She's primarily about the medical side of things. She does your checkups. She makes sure that everything's going great. She's going to tell you and walk you through and even do the delivering uh, of the baby with you. And the doula, what she does, and this is just a nutshell, okay? She makes the experience as comfortable as possible. I'll go ahead and just say that a natural birth does not look comfortable at all. (laughs) But... With her techniques, my wife had an amazing transformation, and I'll get to that, right? So my wife and I originally were going to go with a hospital birth. We were going to still do all natural. She had a birth plan put together, but the midwife that she chose about halfway through my wife's pregnancy decided she was going to leave her job at the hospital and do 100% home births. So we made the shift, right? My wife said, you know what? Let's do it. Let's Let's go with the home birth. And I was like, okay, hey, whatever. I'm along for the ride. You know, I want to do my best to be a supportive husband. She's the one carrying this baby. How he is brought into this world is completely up to her. All right? That's how I felt about it. I was just going to support her to the best of my ability. I read some books that she had given me. And I'll be honest. So as far as like the reading the books and the prepping, we did really good prepping, right? We did really good just kind of informing ourselves. She did way better than I did because I would tell people all the time. They would say, hey, how does it feel to become a father? How does it feel to, you know, be getting closer and closer? And I'd always tell them, really, it's out of sight, out of mind. As from, the, again, from the father's perspective, it was really out of sight, out of mind. I got to, you know, I got to put my hand on her belly, feel the kicks, Went to a few of the hospital uh, visits. We saw the sonograms, did the 4D thing, and you know we, I could feel I could feel him kick in as he was getting bigger, you know. And I'd talk to her belly a little bit, but it really it was out of sight, out of mind. You know, I was still going to work. She was still going to work up until recently this this summer when school let out. 
And when he was born, it was just literally like a week after she got out of school. So for me, it was out of sight, out of mind. So with that said, I, you know, didn't, didn't continue to read all the books. I didn't continue to do all the research. I just leaned on her. What she told me, I soaked it up to the best of my ability and uh, did my best to remember. Now, the closer we got, literally within like the week, a couple of weeks before delivery, I really started, you know, kind of honing in. I said, all right, let's get our go bags ready. Let's stock up our cars with different things just in case your water breaks. So that's a quick tip that I'll go ahead and throw out to you guys. One of the best things is to make sure that you've got the vehicles filled up. If you're a dad expecting or, you know, that you're planning to uh, get pregnant here soon, or in any time, just write this down, pull out this journal one day whenever it comes up. Uh, but stock the car with um, your wife's going to need some pads and things like that to make sure because, you know, all kinds of lady stuff goes on down there. Uh, even after the fact, many of you guys are no stranger to the concept uh, that there uh, is no sexual intercourse after the birth for a certain amount of time while the healing process takes place. I'm not going to go into all the details with that. Again, we're talking about a father's perspective. Um, and I don't want to try to talk about something I know absolutely nothing about. I kept myself very uninformed uh, for a reason, just because, hey, that's, that's, that's part of the bedroom stuff. My wife wanted me uninformed. Now, if your wife wants you informed, bite the bullet, be informed, do all of that. That's, that's my deal. Now, if, if my wife had wanted me to be informed, you know, she wanted me to, to really know all the, uh, for lack of a better terminology, ins and outs, uh, and, you know, then I would have, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a big deal. And that's another thing I'll touch on. As a man, I have to be completely honest and say that I had thought that I would go through a period of time where my wife would be unattractive to me. I'm not the kind of guy who thought pregnant women were, um, you know, were, were very attractive. And I thought I had the little bit of, little bit of fear in the back of my mind that, man, I won. I, I think, I feel like there's just going to be this point in time where, you know, I, I feel like she's, she may just kind of come off as a little unattractive. I was very happy. And of course, so was my wife to find that, no, she, she, she remained attractive. She had a different beauty about her. There was, uh, and, and you may have heard people talk like this. You may have heard people say these types of things, but I'm telling you it's, it's biological. Something, something chemically happens uh, when you're going through that experience with your wife. And so let's go ahead and move along to that's, you know, that's all the, the prepping. Prep your car, fill it full of stuff that you're going to need. Do some Google searches. You really can't go wrong with that. I'm not going to go into all the details on different things that you might need. I will say that one of the things that I was pretty adamant about, and I was glad to have gotten it at our baby shower, I would have bought it for myself if I didn't get it at the baby shower, but that is Tactical Baby Gear. They're not sponsoring this podcast. I absolutely love it i'm using having using used it for two weeks now it's amazing you got to check it out i got the tactical baby gear i got the backpack with the drop zone uh changing pad that attaches to the back it's got pouches on it to hold the wipes uh spaces for bottles i've got plenty of space in there not only to fit all of my son's things in there but i can also fit in my laptop my notebooks and i can take it with me wherever i go definitely sounds like a pitch but i'm telling you that from experience that is awesome is it expensive Yes, absolutely. But I want more kids after this, and I know this bag is going to last. It's a military grade. And if you're if you're one of those guys who, who likes that military aesthetic, this is great. You can get it all different types of colors. Whoops, hit the microphone there. You can get it in all different types of colors, but you know, I think I went with like the the coyote brown or the, or the regular tan, something like that. And it's going to last very long because it's military grade. Not only that, you can actually buy ballistic uh, plates to put in front of or in the back of that backpack so that you're bulletproof from behind. Not only that, but I even got the harness. You put you put the baby down in and you carry him. It's like a car- chest carrier, and it looks like a ballistic vest. You can get, again, you can get the bulletproof plate to go in that as well. And just in case, you just think things hit the fan. <laughs> All right. So that was some of the things that I thought uh, about beforehand, that we planned beforehand. All right, so again, 12 a.m. on the day that he was supposed to arrive. That in and of itself is supernatural. 
that uh, my wife's water broke. Okay, it's not unheard of, but it was amazing. Conceived in the week that we planned on it, and uh, and her water broke on the day of. Now I'll tease my wife and I'll say, "Hey, he tried to be here on time. If you would have just pushed a little bit harder." <laughs> and I know we have some female listeners. Um, please don't think that I'm I'm an a hole for saying something like that. She gets that I'm joking. I know that I'm joking. Uh, Lincoln Lincoln thinks I'm being very serious, and that's okay. Um, again, kidding. But that first, the first um, six hours, okay, water breaks at 12 a.m. Our midwife and our doula, they tell us that when that happens, when it happens like late at night like that, go to sleep, especially if you're wanting a natural birth. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to go immediately to the hospital because you will just end up spending all like several, several hours at the hospital. You could end up spending days in the hospital. And so we knew we had been told over and over and over again, if your water breaks at night, if it you know breaks close to time for you to go to bed, don't start freaking out. Try to go to sleep. And that's immediately what I told my wife. She woke me up at 12 a.m. She said, hey, my water broke. I wanted so bad to kind of jump up and celebrate with her. I thought that was awesome. Uh, but I said, oh, I said, that's awesome, sweetheart. Let's go back to bed. Okay. So we went back to sleep, sort of, I'll be honest. I didn't sleep really. I, I probably actually did go to sleep after, you know, 30 minutes or so of thinking and it just felt like I was up all night. I know I'm pretty sure my wife didn't go to sleep. So 6am comes around. We get up in the morning. My alarm already went off for, for work, you know, and I knew that I was going to have to call in for work that next morning. And so my alarm goes off. We're woken. We're awake. We're updating our midwife and our doula. And that's the great thing about this is from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m., we spent that entire time at our apartment. We hadn't moved into our house yet, but at our apartment. And we were able to sit there and just spend this time this these moments together of her basically just her contractions you know we were, we were getting excited i was trying to make sure that she was uh, eating enough food and that she was drinking enough water we had been told these different things by our midwife and our doula so gentlemen let me just say this was the midwife expensive was the doula expensive it depends on what you consider expensive i'll put it that way uh, but i will say yes it was not cheap to have both of them. Was it worth it from a father's perspective? Absolutely. Okay. There is a peace of mind that you can have that you have a team of people who are there to not only make sure that your wife is supported through this process, but support you as well. They're going to give you information that you can soak up and you can come in and you can be the hero in some of these moments and, and just really help out and and my my wife will tell you that she was she was very very grateful for how i showed up in those situations and i couldn't have done it as well as i had without the guidance that we had received from our midwife and our doula right so for all from 6 a.m all the way to 12 p.m she's going through these contractions and she's giving me these scales on on a scale of one to ten you know what is it and i think she's saying they're around like a five and then they're a six and then they're a seven and we're commuting, and I'm timing. You know, you have to time contractions, and the and the rule with that, I believe, is one four one. They have to be uh, one minute long, uh, four minutes apart for an hour, consistent for an hour. Okay, so I remembered this little formula. I remember them saying that the midwife and the doula saying that over and over again. So I remembered this formula. I I, I pulled out my phone. I start timing it. You know, at six a.m. in the morning, whenever her contractions are starting to you know build up in speed and they were all over the place you had them last them for 30 seconds and it was eight minutes until the next one sometimes it was three minutes until the next one and if she moved around she had them sooner so yeah i knew that okay we still have a little ways to go and but i was a bit naive i'm not gonna lie because we sent some of the information over to our midwife she said hey use this app it's a lot easier to time the contractions rather than using your stopwatch like you had been doing now, I had been walking around the apartment, getting things ready, making sure I've got her snacks ready for whenever we go over there. Which, by the way, gentlemen, they encourage your wife to eat lots and lots of food. Uh, when she's unable to start eating actual food, try to get her to drink something that's got you know sugars and carbs and stuff like that in it to help with her energy levels. So I was actually really trying to do this for her. Man, I'm definitely not going to get through these whole two weeks. So I'm just going to go through the birthing process today, and we'll get into the next one next week. 
Um, basically, what had uh, what what happened is, is around twelve o'clock noon, our midwife said, "Hey, come and see me." So we said, "Okay, hey, let's go." We're thinking we're gonna have this kid at three p.m. on the day he's supposed to be here. This doesn't even look that hard. You know, her contractions look like they suck, but they don't look like they really suck that bad from my perspective. And so we load up in the car. Now the car ride was worse on the contractions. Remember that as well, gentlemen. Uh, the car ride does kind of amplify some things. So we get to the midwife's house and she breaks the news. My wife is only one centimeter dilated. Now, that did not mean a dang thing to me. I have no idea. I had no idea what that meant. Um, and gentlemen, you may not know either. Basically, what that means is the fact that she was only one centimeter dilated. I think you have to be about 10 centimeters dilated in order to go to birth. That doesn't happen in the span of three hours, right? So she explained it to us, this could take three days. Several women get dilated up to like three centimeters before their water even breaks. So literally they're walking around for like a week or two weeks, uh, three centimeters dilated before their water even breaks. So my wife knew that. She felt a bit crushed, all right? But our midwife, she, it's okay. She had seen this. She gave us our options. She told us basically after 24 hours, we can keep going if it's logical to do so, but we want to make sure that we don't go too far over 24 hours. It's kind of like that standard line. Once the water breaks 24 hours later, you've got, um, you need to really be looking at your options to get the baby out uh, because you don't want them to, and, I, and, and forgive me, I don't know all the technical terms, but from my understanding is you don't want them to uh, basically suffocate without that amniotic fluid. Uh, without the the water that was in there, he, he's not he's not breathing right. So it's a, it's kind of a countdown uh, to make sure that he comes out and takes his first breath uh, before he's getting all of that whatever that is that's up in there. All I knew is that 24 hours is the deal, right? So she gives us a little bit of this uh, medication that helps induce labor. I don't remember what the name is. Uh, it was like a, a white pill, and she crushed it into like fourths because you didn't need much of this at all i think she even crushed it into like eighths uh, and gave a little bit to my wife and then sent us home said hey this could you could be in labor for three days all right and i'll be honest with you that one that phrase right there kind of hit me i'm like okay i'm in this for the long haul this is going to be one heck of an experience and it was an even more heightened experience when on the car ride home, my wife could not open her eyes. Labor, real labor, was starting to happen. Those fives, sixes, seven, and eights on a scale of one to ten were nothing compared to what she experienced for the next several hours. So I'll jump ahead and tell you that, well, I already told you, he was born at 1240 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Uh, it's the second. So... She was in real labor for 12 hours. I've heard of this happening. I did not know this is what it looked like. We get back to our apartment, and she's laboring, and I'm trying to time her contractions. And she is in so much pain, she doesn't want to get out of the bed. I'm trying to make sure that she drinks water. She gives me looks that break my heart. I'm not kidding. I, I didn't know what to do to make her feel better. We got up, and we did some of the... Uh, positions and uh, exercises that our doula showed us so one of them was is you take this really long cloth right she gets down on all fours and you take this really long cloth and you wrap it around her belly and I stand over top of her and I pull on that cloth so I basically in, in essence I'm taking the weight of her stomach the weight of the baby off of her lower back because a lot of those contractions happen in the lower back that one we did for quite a while she said it really helped but it was still some very intense pain. And I was communicating with the midwife back and forth. And ultimately, what we were experiencing was labor. Many of you who have gone through this, uh, whether, it was, um, whether it was natural or not, like this was, this was legitimate labor. Like she was having to yell and scream through the pains about you know, every, uh, every four to six, eight minutes or so. And we went through that for six hours. We went through that for six hours. Every four to eight minutes, excruciating pain, doing my best to try to get her to drink water. She would refuse it. She would tell me no. Uh, you know, she, I would do my best. To be honest with you, there were a few times that I wanted to just 
step away for a moment. Uh, there were a couple of times where I wanted to just break because it was horrible seeing her in that pain. And it was tough. All right, I'll be honest with you. It's not for the faint of heart to go through something like that. You have to be truly dedicated and have faith in the team that you hired. Have faith that God put the baby there. He's going to get the baby out, and he's going to do it in the safest way possible. Leaning on faith, honestly, is what helped me through a lot of that process. Leaning through faith and knowing that I had to be strong for my wife. If she noticed that I was worried or that I didn't know what to do or that, that, that I wasn't being strong, it would have relayed to her, I believe. So as much as I tried, right, I tried to give her the right advice. I tried to get her to, to get up and move around. I was making sure she was peeing every hour because you got to have that bladder low uh, so that, you know, the birth canal can, can be open. And guys, don't harp on me for using the, the proper terms or the improper terms. This will probably this will be the only time you hear me talk about the full-on birthing process. After this, it's going to be about, you know, what, what to do, you know, how I changed diapers, little tips and tricks my wife had figured out. We're going to get to that stuff, I promise. But this part is the part you're going to remember uh, for the rest of your life, especially if it's your first child. You're going to remember this process. Um, I can't speak for people who, who went through the, the hospital experience or are going through. I know that I have, I have not met anyone who's unable to recollect the whole process of their first child. So regardless of whatever experience you choose, uh, we definitely will not forget this experience. So 6 p.m., the doula comes over to the house, right? She's the one who showed me the thing with the cloth and the holding up her belly. Well, she starts adding pressure to my wife's hips. Basically, she, she gets down and she squeezes on both sides of her hips, almost like doing a chest, a chest squeeze at the gym. Gentlemen, if you've been to the gym and you've been on that machine where you, you put your arms out to the sides and you squeeze in, it was kind of like that, except you're squeezing in on the sides of her hips. And what it does is it acts as like a clothespin. You pinch one side and it opens up the other. So it was relieving a lot of pain. We had her walking around the apartment complex. People were giving us weird looks, like, but it's doula stuff, right? This is weird midwifery uh, things. I'm saying weird. I don't mean that to be. I'm sure somebody here is is, is has been a part of this uh, this world of of natural home births. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm saying to me it was strange. Uh, I felt uncomfortable. But I'm okay with being out of my comfort zone. I'll put it that way. This is for any of you men who, who your wives are looking to go down this road. I'm giving you some insight from the father's perspective. It was strange, okay? I had an opportunity uh, because, the mid, because the doula was here and she was helping my wife through these contractions. I had the opportunity. I went to the gas station. I got on the phone with my father-in-law. I called a, a friend of mine. I just took a quick, just 15-minute break, right? That's the only 15-minute break I had had uh, since we woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning, so for the past 12 hours. Uh, now, granted, my wife is not having a break whatsoever, so I'm not by any means complaining, but from the father's perspective, I, you know, I, I really needed that. I needed to just get some of that weight off my shoulders. Nobody that I was talking to had gone through that experience before, but... You know, I was able to get some of the load off my chest. So with that being said, the doula knew. My wife looked at this doula as she's a professional. Now, my husband might have been saying all the same things, but because it's coming straight from the mouth of a professional, I'm taking her word at it a bit more strongly. And gentlemen, that's just how it's going to be. And I don't blame her for it whatsoever. I get it. Sometimes I doubt the wisdom that my wife tells me. Sometimes I learn to, to learn to not. Other times I call her on her bluff, right? We do that to each other. And that's natural, especially when you're going through some pain like that. But when you're talking to a professional who's done several, 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 several of these home births, I don't know the exact number, I'd tell you. But she's done so many of these home births, she knows what she's talking about. You have confidence that she knows what she's talking about. This is my first rodeo. Having confidence that I know what I'm talking about, not going to happen. I barely had confidence that I knew what I was talking about. So when the doula got here... My wife's whole um, demeanor changed. There were times when she was pushing and she was screaming the word no, right? Because she just did not want that next wave of pain to come. That wave of pain would come and she would go to sleep. She would literally pass out for like two minutes, you know, whatever, four minutes or whatever. And when that next wave come on, she would dread it. She was mad that it was coming back. She would scream out no. And I'm telling you, that's when it was heartbreaking. But when the doula got here and we went out, we walked, we did some of these exercises, 
her whole demeanor changed. She started embracing it. At one time, she was waving her hands toward herself, almost like she was fanning herself, right? So I go, I go run over the wall, and I'm like, okay, is it, is it too hot in here? I can turn it down. She's like, no, I'm welcoming it. I'm welcoming this pain, okay? And I'm like, all right, heck yeah. She's championing through it. This is amazing. And the doula's there. She's supporting me. She's telling me I'm doing a great job. Whether I was or wasn't, it was nice to have a professional there telling us, um, how well we were both doing through this process. We made progress. Uh, we had to do a balloon. Uh, basically, that's because um, she was so little dilated and we wanted to do anything we could to speed it up. They put a balloon up in there, and you take that balloon, and you, a string comes out the other end. You pull on, you tug on the string, and it helps open up the, uh, the cervix. Well, you knew that you had reached a certain dilation without having to have somebody check you when that balloon fell out, right? Because the balloon was swollen up, I think, to about like three centimeters. So we knew that she had reached three centimeters when the balloon came out. And so when the balloon came out, she was, you know, she was cheering us on. She said, hey, this is a great milestone. We're making progress. You know, let's just keep going and try to get you to five centimeters before we go to the midwife's house. Okay, so we think she's at about five centimeters, okay? So we go to the midwife's house. It is now about 9.45 p.m. I think we get there at about 9.45, 10 p.m. at night, okay? We still don't know how long this is going to take. The midwife is saying we're looking at maybe having the baby about sunrise in the morning because she checks when we get there, and she is. She's at six centimeters. That's amazing. She's making amazing progress. And we're there. My wife's getting in the shower because the shower feels amazing uh, while she's going through that. By the way, if you're doing the natural home birth thing and, and you and your wife are at home, get her in a hot shower. That will help her endure some of that pain. Do it, you know, maybe in maybe every couple hours uh, just to help out. Uh, I noticed that that actually helped out with my wife. This is where I started getting heavily involved. Okay, the doula was doing the hip squeezing thing, right? Her arms started getting tired. So I jumped in, and I was doing more hip squeezes, more hip squeezes. Well, my wife did not want me to leave. She didn't want me to stop doing the hip squeezes. They helped so much, she did not want to feel them whenever they were done. We laid down on the bed. She did this exercise where she had this ball between her legs, and it was excruciatingly painful. She was squeezing the crap out of my hand. Okay, You hear people say that all the time, oh, squeezing the crap out of his hand. I told her, I said, babe, you can squeeze a little harder because she wasn't quite squeezing. So she, she wrapped her arm around the back of my neck and just squeezed. Didn't didn't hurt me, but I could tell she uh, she was in some immense pain. Right. So the, the, the doctor's checking or I'm sorry, the midwife is checking how dilated she is. Uh, we move over into the tub because it's a tub birth. We move over into the tub. And again, I got hands on hips, pressing, and we're in this tub, and she's going through the contractions, and then she starts to naturally feel pushing, right? So she's, she's starting to push. Midwife tells her to push. We're flipping in all these different positions, and she has her sister there who's taking pictures because the midwife's starting her new business. And, and so she's, uh, she's asked us if it was okay, obviously, if uh, pictures were taken, and she even did some video and stuff like that. We ended up getting it all for free. That, whoa, in and of itself was amazing. The pictures are fantastic. You've probably seen them on my socials if you've been following us at all, Facebook or Instagram. And we're there, and she's in the tub, and she's pushing, and I don't know what to think. Like, I, really, I can't, I can't even, I can't even, if I sit here and, and try to detail every second and of every moment of this experience, um, we would be here forever, okay? But it was amazing. There were highs. There were lows. The final moments when we're, when she's pushing out our son, I'm wondering what, I'm wondering what the experience is going to be like. I always assumed I was just going to start bawling when I saw, when I saw him. Um, I didn't. He came out. They put him on my wife's chest. Uh, with with water birth babies, they don't immediately come to. So he took a minute to come to. Not gonna lie, scared the crap out of me. Um, but he, you know, he started to come through, he coughed a lot, coughed a lot. Cause he's got a lot of gunk built up in his lungs and he does that for about the next day or so, but puts him on her chest. He was in the birth canal for quite a while. So he had kind of a cone shaped head, right? It went away after like a day. I don't even think anybody even saw his cone shaped head, but I was again, another thing I was a little freaked out about. It. I was like, Oh my gosh, 
Is it going to have a cone-shaped head his entire life? Like, is there anything we can do about this? So, no, it was fine. It was going to go away in about a day or so. Just rub his head, you know, yada, yada. I get to look at him for the first time, and I even uploaded, you'll see it on Instagram, the first picture that uh, that I took of him, and, and the, kind of one of the first times that he looked at me, and we laid eyes on each other. I didn't know what to think. I had no idea what to think, what to experience, or, you know, what to what to feel. I thought it was going to be, like, overwhelming joy that I cried, had all kinds of sadness, but that's not how it happened. It was... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was exhausted. I'll say that. So I got an opportunity to hold him. It was beautiful. Uh, I got to just sit there. It still didn't feel real. It didn't all hit me. All right. It didn't all hit me. Again, this was 1240 a.m. We had just been in labor for real labor for 12 hours since her water broke 24 hours. Okay. And so we were exhausted, but we got to take him home that day. We loaded him up in the car, brought him home. I'm pretty sure he slept. I'm pretty sure he slept when we got to the house. Um, yeah, he slept. We woke up that whole next day. He pretty much slept all day long. Um, now, this is the day where uh, my mom, her mom, some of our family members are starting to come into town, right? So over the course of the next couple of days, family members are starting to come into town and they're, they they want to see him, and it's really it's really just the his grandparents. And oh, by the way, Lincoln Wayne Gan, born twelve forty a.m. He was eight pounds and eleven ounces, twenty one inches long. Um, yeah, so our firstborn son, Lincoln Wayne Gan. I realize I kind of built that whole thing up to be, to kind of give you an anticlimactic moment. Um, but I'm not going to speed into the next few uh, days. I'll say that the first day he slept pretty much all day long. Uh, that's what they told us that it was going to be like. He was going to be very tired for that first day. He wasn't going to breastfeed a whole lot, which, by the way, by the way, my wife and I uh, were able to breastfeed. She, he, you know, they were able to latch him. A lot of women have difficulty with that. My wife knew she wanted to um, to do uh, breastfeeding. Now, one thing that I will that I failed to mention was one of the the tactics that the doula had my wife do for a few weeks. I think it was about halfway through the pregnancy. Not maybe not halfway through. Maybe about three quarters of the way through the pregnancy. It was this program called Hypno Babies, and basically what it is is it's um, it's hypnosis. But not like your hypnotist coming into your, you know, and, and waving the mandala in front of your eyes and hypnotizing you to sleep. It was more like affirmations that she listened to when she went to sleep. And these affirmations and these guided, they're kind of like guided meditations that were guiding her to help her ex- envision what a perfect birth would look like. Help her envision a happy place mentally to go to that she could that she could try to bring up when she was going through those labor pains. Uh, they were affirmations that telling her that this is what her body is designed to do. It was guided meditations to help her realize that if she heard people talking negatively about her experience or negatively while she was in the room during birth, that she would only focus on positive things. So it was just consistent affirming through these audio tapes, right? And we listened to it, obviously, as Christians. We wanted to make sure that whatever it was that was being said on these tapes didn't contradict what we believed in our faith, and we don't believe that it did. Uh, there were, I think, um, one or two things that, that my wife changed up whenever it said, you know, that, that, that she is, uh, she is, it was something along the lines of, you know, the affirmation was, you know, I am... Uh, responsible for my baby she would change it up to my husband and i are responsible for our baby she just felt comfortable with changing up that little piece of it she wanted to make sure that she felt empowered as a couple rather than just um you know singularly empowered and of course i appreciate her for that Um, i would have totally understood if she had uh, embraced the other version of it But I did feel that that deserved an honorable mention because I do believe in the power uh, of affirmations, of confirming what it is that you are having faith for, of what you are believing in. 
and consistently doing that there's a science behind it and there is a, a supernatural law behind it so uh, that did definitely deserve a mention okay uh, and so breastfeeding again I go back to part of those affirmations is her understanding that her body is designed to do this and affirming that uh, a lot of women don't have the opportunity to do that or it's difficult or baby doesn't do things uh, or doesn't uh, quite take to it or you know all different types of things can happen we're blessed that we're able to uh, to continue to breastfeed so he breastfed a little bit during that first day uh, not a whole lot they said that that's normal he's usually going to sleep and then that night we had he was up and he was crying right so he was up and he was crying and we were consoling him and it was a little bit rough okay i'm not gonna lie it was a little bit rough because i wasn't in quite the right mind i was still very fatigued and tired and i was like oh my gosh this is what life is gonna be like and i was like you know what no that's not how it's gonna happen come on just take some deep breaths it's gonna be okay all right so we made it through night number one and then we knew that feeding schedules every two hours we had heard that concept now most people tell you don't worry about it just feed him whenever he's hungry for the next few weeks but we really if you listen to one of my process perspective episodes i talked about the type of father i wanted to be the type of example that i wanted to be i said all right babe look let's let's do our best to be the best parents that we can be to to show up and really give this thing our best shot. It does not mean that our entire lives have to be sacrificed for this, but if we remain consistent, if we stick to the plan, if we believe for it, then it will happen. Okay? We got him on a two-hour schedule. That means waking him up when he was asleep and forcing him to eat uh, whenever it was time to eat. And I don't mean like like forcefully making him eat i'm just like hey wake up he will want to eat naturally and doing that every two hours he had a little bit of jaundice after uh you know after a couple of days which more eating helped with that and so he started eating more my wife started producing more he slept um i think he slept for the two hours in between during that first night the second night or i'm sorry during that second night the third night he slept for four hours before having to get up and then another four hours before having to get up so we both had four hour stretches right and then so we had this schedule thing down and people were amazed that we were capable of doing that and it's not that it was really tough it wasn't tough my wife obviously okay so i'll say here's one of the one of the caveats is the fact that my wife was able obviously summer was out most most women will get uh, maternity leave and you'll have this time period my wife and i still wouldn't be done with maternity leave if she had taken it um, so most most women will have that opportunity and if you're wanting to breastfeed milk will come in and i highly suggest um just pumping 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 all the time because that was one thing that i stressed to my wife i said hey when you can pump pump as much as you possibly can so that you don't have to wake up every time that he gets hungry you can send me into the room with a bottle and i'll feed him and you can stay asleep and i'll figure it out so we had this we had this process going down okay like i'm not kidding you it was because it was so process oriented and we were getting him into a schedule things went so smoothly and i firmly believe one it was uh it was our faith that if we remained consistent that if we dedicated ourselves that it would happen and you know putting the action into work so I, I made a deal with her i said okay look since you're breastfeeding i'll get up i'll change his diaper i'll uh, i'll have him all set up and ready to go and then whenever you come over you can sit down you can feed him and then i'll burp him and i'll lay him down sometimes she would burp him and lay him down because she wanted to you know she she was having that uh, affection time with him and that was our process i'd change him she'd breastfeed i'd change him she'd breastfeed one of us would burp one of us would lay him down and we would get in that process and now uh, we had the opportunity to move into our home and we've got him in his own room and the processes are going and today our doula showed up to do another check-in later on and was talking about how this is not normal not to say that in a bad way but to say that like yeah this sometimes happens but it's not normal for 
the baby to be so good, for the parents to handle the process so well, to be able to just come together and knock this out with a process, with uh, the schedules, with the support. I'm able to wake up in the morning and I'm able to take him with me to the coffee shop, still get some work done. I get him fed every two hours and I get him changed. So yeah, it takes a little bit of time away from my work, but I'm capable of giving my wife rest in the morning, right? Because a lot of times when I'm out here working, she's staying with the baby at the house right now. And so this first uh, two weeks have been amazing. They have truly been amazing. Now, have we had a couple of ups and downs? There's been a couple times we're waking up to go feed him. Uh, was not necessarily the funnest thing to do. But it's it, it definitely beats having to get up every hour or having to stay up four hours. When we got up, we're only having to get up like 30 minutes at a time. Uh, and once... Literally, we now only have to get up at around 1 a.m. to get him fed, and then he's back to sleep until one of our alarm goes off. My alarm typically goes off about 5 a.m. in the morning, so I'll go and get him fed, and or my wife will get him fed while I get ready, whatever, however that looks. And I get to take him to the coffee shop with me, and he hangs out. Yeah, he's sleeping for the most part, but that's kind of how <laughs> that's kind of how it's going. So that's me summarizing the first. Uh, two weeks. I didn't want to spend too super long on this episode. You guys get a full length one hour episode every single week, but I did want to try to jam pack this in. I'm sure I will reference this experience uh, in later episodes, but I hope that this gives you some foundational concepts of uh, a father's perspective to one natural birth to the fact that you can be process oriented with your child is it going to work for every little thing? No, not every little thing. Ideally, my wife would be uh, pumping like six ounces every hour and I'd have frozen storage of breast milk. That's not the case. She's pumping every, I would say probably every two hours on average, right? And she's keeping, she's having enough milk to keep up with how much he's eating, okay? So I'm not saying that everything turned out perfect or everything turned out supernatural, but life is not hard. We are not struggling. Our peace is not compromised. We are walking in a dream. There's work for us to do day in and day out. We wake up, we do the things with our son, but we love it, obviously. You know, again, you go back to that biology. My wife even had a moment where she didn't want to pass him off. <laughs> she freaked out because we, uh, one of the, one of the grandmas decided to, or help my wife gave him to one of our grand or one of his grandmothers to have for like you know three or four hours give her a, a break um so that she could just you know relax and i think it took less than 30 minutes she freaked out and it's just biological it's what her hormones are doing to to make sure that she doesn't leave the child ultimately and she understood that and and we get it and we're genuinely loving and enjoying this process and how it is going so far. Today, we feed him every two hours. I change his diapers a lot of the times. Obviously, when I'm at work, she does all the changing and things like that. But I do have him for a good first quarter of my day, almost first half of my day up at the coffee shop with me until I come back to the apartment that um, that I still have because the Wi-Fi is not hooked up at our house yet, which I just got a phone call. They're going to go out and hook it up tomorrow. I don't want to get sidetracked on you guys, uh, but it's going to be amazing. We're going to be into this, our, our first-time house. So we have our first baby, and then our first-time house is getting put in. So yes, this last weekend, I'll be honest with you, we stayed with the process. My wife did an amazing job. I did a ton of moving, okay? That was probably the most draining part of the experience, but it wasn't... I didn't have a breakdown. I almost could have. You know, there was a, a point in time where I was ready to eat, and there wasn't something that, that sounded good to me. And I got frustrated internally. I didn't let it come out and voice it. I was frustrated on the inside. But I took a moment to just step back and and, and bring it back in. Because, man, you are you are having to wake up at 30 minutes in the middle of the night. Like, I'm talking... My best case scenario from what I've heard, waking up, you know, in 30 minutes in the middle of the night is definitely easy breezy town. 
compared to what a lot of other people deal with. So I can't imagine what somebody under the other kinds of stress of not of not being able to get to sleep, of of not having those processes down, of uh, of really struggling along the way, and I'm extremely blessed. Um, I'm I'm extremely blessed that the will of God and the will of our lives has lined up, and that our plans are being blessed, and that we're continuing to to work through these processes to support our son in a healthy life, to support ourselves to continue to live a healthy life with our newborn son. So that is a father's perspective on Peace with the Process podcast. I want to thank you all for continuing to listen to Peace with the Process. And if you want more, then continue to tune in, obviously, or head over to peacewiththeprocess.com. You can get access to the insider's access emails by filling out the form at the bottom of the website and get all of the information emailed directly to you. And you can continue to stay abreast with everything that we have going on by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Guys, I am getting ready to wrap things up here at the uh, quote-unquote office. I'm over here at the apartment while uh, my wife and my son are over at the house. And I'm going to go and just uh, put pause on work and go be with my family. Probably move some, some more things into the house. And I will see you guys next week for the usual Uh, podcast with a guest on the show and then i will see you again next friday for a father's perspective with an update of how things are going from a father's perspective uh, with finding peace with the process thank you guys for tuning in to another episode take care